welcome to The Last Ones In, where being late to the party isn't a bad thing. I'm your host, Jariah Archuleta, and with me as always is E, who is chilling with his kitty. Hello. Robbie, from the comforts of his echoey abode. Hello. And all the way from across the country, we have Rocky. Hey, how's your life? This month, we would like to take you on an adventure. One that takes a look at the history of marijuana, also known as the Devil's Lettuce. But not just a history, because that would just be boring. We want to take a look at the history of the sticky icky, how society was reacting to it when the film came out, and the general attitude of the era and how weed related back to it. All through the crystal clear lens of cinema. All month long, we're picking movies from a very particular time in history that either celebrated or looked down upon the use of that chronic. So, we want to invite you to mow the grass or burn one down. As we all learn a little bit about Mary Jane and her sweet, sweet herb. And this week, the movie we'll be taking a look at is Reefer Madness. The film began its life all the way back in 1936. However, in 1938, Duane Esper, a filmmaker known for exploitation films, decided to go in and add some more. Let's say, uh, scandalous shots. Or at least scandalous for the time. After adding those shots, the film was released and shown on the exploitation circuit, at which point it was named something different for every region it was shown in in order to grab the proper attention. It was shown under such names as Tell Your Children, Doped Youth, the one most people know it as, Reefer Madness, and finally, The Burning Question. But before we get to all of that, E, how are you? I'm uh, I'm doing okay. Been uh, chilling. Gone back to my classes, so I've been drawing a lot. Might be fucking on my wrist. Who knows? I've I finished an animation and got that posted. That was pretty fun. I saw. Uh, that. Oh, neat. I have it not seen that one yet. Took it took a week. Uh, four people saw it. That's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> been doing that. Been working on games. Been doing homework. Uh, I ate, like, nothing but pizza rolls and pizza for the last week. That's always fun. So things uh, are going great for you. Yeah, basically. <laughs> how how are the online classes working with, you know, being online, I guess? So we all use Microsoft Teams, which is an inferior version of Discord, basically. Oh. But slightly better than Skype? No. No. <laughs> it has school stuff. Like, there's, like, a bad version of Google Docs on it. Uh, so you use that the lecturer gives the lecture uh, then we all do our stuff the classes take slightly less time which is usually neat Uh, but uh, some classes like my philosophy class don't exactly translate as well where I just watch we just don't meet at all not even digitally he just gives us the powerpoint with his uh with his discussion and then we write papers which we always wrote papers but you miss the fun part of the class where a bunch of college students all discuss everything so there's just no discussion in the class it's just a bunch of people writing papers yeah here's a question that maybe you know the answer to maybe you don't is your tuition going down seeing as you don't get to use the <laughs> campus no <laughs> okay good i mean <laughs> of course it's not why would it <laughs> yeah they need that two thousand five hundred dollars every semester. Actually, it's more. God, 
<laughs> if anything, his Twitch went up because of this. <laughs> yeah, they you know they need to they need to pay for the internet that uh, they don't use because no one's on the campus. You're living your best life, E. Yeah, I'm still playing Animal Crossing. I have over 70 hours in that, so... Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. And, uh, Robbie, what's going on yeah. with you? A whole lot of nothing. Uh, I think probably despite getting ready for this podcast and doing the research and taking the super detailed notes on all of this, just still been going to work since here to have an essential job. Dealing with all that nonsense because we have to go through all those safety procedures while going back and forth to work. Uh, because I wasn't able to use a proper microphone last week. Uh, I, weirdly enough, was able to take that interface back to where I bought it because like, because all the music shops are closed down, I had to buy one at a pawn shop because, weirdly enough, all the pawn shops are still open. And uh, Well, I guess it actually <laughs> makes sense. People need to sell stuff in order to keep their house. Actually, but, that um, does make sense now that you mention that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to like run around town longer than i was really comfortable doing in order to actually get the interface that i'm using now so i can use a proper microphone and like yeah i saw some other weird stuff that is or that deals with pawn shops uh got kicked out of one because there's too many people in it at one point in time where they actually said a little fun fact of how they had sold over 300 laptops in that one store in the past week Jesus Christ. which is insane but also <laughs> makes sense for what's going on right now and uh other than that dealing with the apartment complex that I'm living at and like uh, dealing with anything. This apartment complex is like pulling teeth with them. Like I was on the phone for three hours yesterday Jeez. trying to pay rent, trying to, trying to get rent? them trying to pay rent because their main office is closed because of the quarantine. They will not allow anyone in. You have to call everything through. If you can't get call through them, wasn't able to call them. So I ended up, uh, trying to pay online turns out you needed an account for and it wouldn't let me make an account so i had to get on the phone and call the company that does the online payments for it and it went to me being number 80 in line in order to actually call them so i can pay rent (laughs) and so during that time whenever i was in line i did my laundry i completely read the graphic novel of the crow came back to my apartment (laughs) (laughs) took a nap and when I woke up, I was seventh in line. I shit you not. And they don't so, have like a fucking website? Like, what the fuck? So they have awesome. a website that directs you to another website where you have to make an account. And so I had to call them and tell them that I couldn't make an account to turn out that I had to get a hold of my management in order to make a fucking account. So it's <laughs> everything. Everything is pulling teeth at these people. Like, there is that. You have to get an actual card in order to do your laundry. Like, a. Basically, like a little debit card, just to, like do your laundry here. Uh, it took me a week to get my mail key here. Like it's. Eh. That sounds like a contender for the place I'm staying at. <laughs> I'm. I feel so grateful about where I live. Listening to you guys talk about where you live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't get your bicycle thrown away and charge rent four times and then charge your cat four times. Yeah. Well, uh, Rocky. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I got no stories, though. I'm a boring man. I don't know how you guys have so much going on in your lives. Well, don't you work at a grocery store or something? No, not currently. Oh, you just left? Well, I had to. I was when I was moving. Moving my dad. Oh, so what are you doing? Nothing right now. I'm looking. But, oh. Um, yeah, I was like, oh, it's no biggie. I'll just find another job. They they come pretty easy. And then, and then the world ended. <laughs> 
I was like, God, that's really bad timing. And then you get, then you read the news and like, oh yeah, six million people applied for unemployment today. Oh yeah, pretty much. Fuck. So it's, God, you know it right before too. Yeah, that sucks. You know what's interesting about life though is that you do learn those weird things. Probably for E, if he does something, bad things happen. For me, it's like I, I don't want to start something because I'm only going to do it for like a week and then do something else. Hey, you've been doing this for like five months though. Yeah, yeah but I, I, I that's take a week like in two Rocky week time. breaks. I would say I'm a part-time employee. <laughs> All right, so that means you get none of the benefits of being on this podcast. None Sorry. of the health care. Well, I got the toilet paper. I got the that's true. Yeah, you got the company issue toilet paper. Yeah, Jariah sent toilet paper my way, so because he's a good man, and we didn't have any in the stores, so it's the most toilet paper has ever cost me in my entire life. Yeah, that is ridiculous. That? Um, apparently right now it's not just like a by weight thing, it's a by size thing. Toilet paper's big. Fair. So uh, should have got like a compressor and just like compressed it down before it, sending it. It almost cost I don't think as it much as a way. new game. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, it was a lot. Dang. Fourteen ninety nine. Jeez. Anyway, I don't use that brand, so I had to toss it. <laughs> <laughs> How is our find esteemed technically the host, technically not this fine day? <laughs> I'm doing great. I go to work and I'm scared every day and then I come home and take a shower and then I drink. So it's been a blast. So, as far as I'm aware, I know I have seen this movie. Uh, Robbie is taking the lead on this one here in just a minute. So he mm-hmm. has definitely seen this movie. E, you've said you've seen it? I think I have. I've we'll either seen it or seen a e. video essay on it, one or the other. Okay. And then, Rocky, you have not seen it. I have not seen it. I only know of it from, like, articles online that talk about it sometimes or something. Maybe it's Robbie. Maybe it's you. I don't know. Somebody's talked about this movie before. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been in the zeitgeist for a very long time. Not since it came out. It was probably the 70s when it started gaining most of its traction for what it's known for, of being one of those so-bad-it's-good type of movies. Because that's really when it was brought around in certain circuits and colleges and things like that. Yeah, that's uh, whenever it started going around to like the midnight exploitation movies that college kids watched a lot was in the 70s. And I think that was also around the time that this movie became public domain. But uh, Rocky, since you are the only one who hasn't seen it, what do you think Reefer Madness is about? I mean, I think I can hit this one on the nose. Um, it's going to be like overhyped, like weeds, evil. People are going to smoke. We start slaughtering people. It's gonna. That's what I think it's gonna be. It's just uh, like a, one of those. Um, what are those '80s movies they used to call them? Grindhouse, maybe. Grindhouse, maybe Grindhouse movies, <laughs> like those old school Grindhouse movies. Except they want like have a serious tone on these movies. Yeah. Like they want people to like leave like goddamn weed, man. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, honestly. That's kind of what they want people to do. But since you're the only one who hasn't seen it, I think I'm gonna go ahead and throw it over to Robbie here for the description. High school principal Dr. Alfred Carroll relates to an audience of parents that marijuana can have a devastating effect on teens. In his story, a drug supplier entices several restless teens, including sister and brother Mary and Jimmy Lane and Mary's boyfriend Bill, into frequenting a reefer house. Gradually, Bill, Jim are drawn into smoking dope, which affects their family lives and leads to terrible crimes. I really wanted their names to be Mary and Jane. (laughs) <laughs> it's real close. It's really close. It's, yeah. it's pretty close. <laughs> Mary and Jimmy, Mary and Jane. Yeah, that is pretty close. But yeah, uh, while we were doing uh, research on this movie, uh, for places to see it, it's set. Uh, we 
checked it and it said that Hulu should have been a place to watch this movie. However, it's only a place to watch it if you have a Showtime subscription. And Dubai was supposed to be another place where you can watch this movie. However, uh, during the time of this podcast, it's taken down for whatever reason. Yeah, but here's the thing. The original black and white version is also in public domain. So you can just YouTube it and not feel guilty at all. Like, literally, the full movie is on the Wikipedia page. Yeah, and that's kind of what we ended up doing for this one. Like, I found a colorized YouTube version, which I sent the link to you guys to watch this movie, and it's ad-free. Yeah, I think there might be one at the very beginning, but other than that, like, it's just the full movie sitting there, and it, like, just up there for you to watch because, it, like Dry said, it's public domain. I will say, though, the colorized version is not public domain. That was a 2004 remaster from New Line Cinema where they colorized it. So that one is actually pirating if you watch that one. The only one that is public domain is the six, is the 36 release and the 38 release. I do recommend, though, watching the colorized version because it is a lot more fun. Would you great. recommend pirating, though? The colorized version? Uh, yeah. What, <laughs> apparently, apparently you pay for Showtime. What, why would you do that? You pay for Showtime or it is possible to watch it on YouTube or Amazon or Amazon Prime for $1.99. But, I mean, the colorized version is a lot more fun. It looks, it looks like how it's supposed to feel, and I think it fits the tone of the acting a lot better. And they do some fun stuff with the smoke and music and things like that. So, I think with all of that being said... It's time for us to all get out of this chat and go check out the movie. What do you guys think? Sure. Nah. Let's just, fuck it. Let's just go. <laughs> That's not an option. <laughs> all right. So we'll be back in just a minute to tell you what we thought about Reefer Madness. And we are back from watching Reefer Madness. Boy, oh boy. Was that a trip down memory lane? That movie is so much worse than I remember it. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Um, can you, yeah, I'll be can honest. You call like, this a movie? It's technically a film. Fine. Technically, it is mostly just like a propaganda reel. Yeah, is a good way to look at it. It really, really is. And the person whose opinion matters most is the one who's never seen it before. So, Rocky, let's head over to you. Yeah. Alright, it's not good, it's bad, it's really bad. Bunch, bunch of not good. If, if, if it was if it was a, a forecast of the day, it would be shit, absolute shit. It'd be a giant shit storm. Don't, don't fucking your leave house. your house to see this shit. I'm quitting my fucking job, I can't believe this shit. It's the... Uh, Pause it every 20 minutes to see when it's going to be over kind of shit. Which is insane since <laughs> it's only an hour long. Yeah, I did it five times. I did it three <laughs> minutes before the movie ended and groaned. That's amazing. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't like it. <laughs> you know what? That is fair. E, what did you think of it all? So I want to start out and say this was not the film I thought it was. I was thinking of the wrong propaganda film. Oh, what propaganda um, film were you thinking of? I, it was an anti-communism one. Oh, <laughs> not that's not this one. No. I, to be fair, there's so, a lot of propaganda movies going on around this time. Well, I did. I did the thing. Uh, Dry knows I do this a lot. We're all mixed two properties together. Yeah. So I I knew the um 
the piano scene from this movie. Uh, spoilers, I guess. I don't. Is it? It's fine. It's fine. It's a okay. the film literally no. came out in 1936. Okay, I knew <laughs> you, the. You can't spoil a spoiled movie. <laughs> but uh, I mixed. <laughs> I mix that up with this like anti-communism one. That's like, if you're a loser, you're actually a communist. Wait, what? And yeah, I it was like, like you need to watch that. No, if you have no friends and you're a loser, you're actually a communist. Huh? And or at least people that's will think you're up. a communist. <laughs> it is. It's a terrible thing. It's like you should make sure that everyone likes you and that you change yourself to fit in with the groups and don't Isn't be independent. Isn't that like more communist? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I mixed those up. I I still knew a lot about Reefer Madness. I just didn't know like the main chunk that I thought was Reefer Madness. Also, <laughs> okay. uh, similar to Rocky, I hate this movie. It's not good. No, it's not a good movie. I thought we'd have some fun like laughing at it. I think I laughed three times at the absurdity of this movie, and I was just so bored the entire time. Like watching this, I'm like. Uh, yeah, that's not how weed works. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's somewhat the idea of watching it today is just at the absurdity of everything. Because, like, people took this movie very seriously whenever it first came out. At least yeah, so I, we're told. I will say, as a white man, that dancing was dope. <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to like the dancing. That's the devil's lettuce dance. That dance was, they know how to do it. Look like a bunch of people having a heart attack. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, I, it sucks that people thought this was accurate because it's very terrible propaganda. Like, yeah, it's it like, is. hey, did you know that weed's actually worse for you than cocaine and meth? It's like, uh, I don't know about that one. Yeah. Um. Also, all the characters suck and. <laughs> I can't tell you who's who ever because they all dress the same. I think some are supposed to be in high school, but they look like they're 30 years old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the sentiment from pretty much everybody, including Liz, my wife, when we were downstairs watching it, is that this is far more accurate to LSD than anything else. Yeah. I think my favorite part, and I know it's just because of the time, but like there'll be people smoking cigarettes all the time. But how they show the weed is more close to the cigarette addiction than weed addiction. Yeah. Like, like if a whorehouse had a texture, it would be whatever smoke was coming out of that weed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to know what that means. I like that. <laughs> uh, Robbie, what did you think of Reefer Madness? I also think this is a terrible movie, but it's actually good to show for historical reasons of like, what people used to think of certain narcotics back in the day, because this was back during the time whenever, like a lot of negativity towards are uh, towards, you know, narcotics was based off of false information or ba- based off of basically fear of foreigners and blatant racism, in a sense. And this is definitely one of those things. Yeah, racism, like, anti-Semitism. Well, like uh, I know they used weed to try to say that, like uh. They used it for this and like also they used it like there was a couple cases where like someone did something bad or someone got arrested for whatever reason. Like, oh, that person was high on the drug marijuana. But yeah, like the movie's bad, but like it kind of gives you an insight of the uh, thought process. Because if I remember correctly, like this movie came out in 1936. The next year is whenever they made the tax law making marijuana illegal. So it was 
honestly reasons like this why I was outlawed to begin with. And like, honestly, I'm not a big weed smoker myself, but just like seeing the absurdity it took to make certain things illegal makes it interesting within itself. Other than that, this is just terrible. It's a horrible propaganda movie and it's just, it's bad all the way around. Yeah. And like Rocky and E would agree, you should feel bad after watching it. No, you don't feel bad. Yeah. I mean, you should feel bad. <laughs> I don't know. If you smoke weed, I feel like this would make you feel better. Like, oh yeah, weed only makes me tired, and I don't, I don't know what weed does, but I know it doesn't cause you to murder people. Last well, maybe yet. that's the thing. Like, you watch this, you feel I mean, pretty good. You You're like, so wow, sure? it just makes me tired. I'm like ahead of the curve. These people are like murdering people. I'm just getting tired. Yeah. So, on an official rating, Rocky, would you say? Buy, rent, or pass. Oh, man. Those are all those. <laughs> those are worse. Too are much. They, it's just too even giving this, this a, a rating <laughs> is too much because you, you solidify it into reality when you give it a rating. You make it a, a real thing and not some bad nightmare from the 50s. <laughs> From the 50s. <laughs> From the 30s. Whatever. That's even worse because now you're even making it more real by validating whatever. By validating time the time from. that it was made. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and say you give it a pass. Does that sound right? That's too much. That's too much. For just... Should not even consciously think about this movie, according to Yeah, we, we have to forget about it. Okay. Because it follows. <laughs> Um, okay, so E. Yeah. Would you buy, rent, stream, or pass on Reefer Madness? So despite the fact I hate this movie and it's awful, I feel like you should see it just to remember what actual, like, propaganda's like sometimes. Yeah, it's bad. (laughs) Like, just to be like, oh yeah, we were actually just straight up lying to people and thought it was okay. Yeah. Well, we still, but I mean, we still do. You know, <laughs> I mean, like all propaganda is kind of interesting. Though I don't want to say fun to watch. It's interesting to watch him. Okay. Yeah. To be like, oh yeah, and so yeah, uh, stream if you really want to see what thirties propaganda was. This is pre World War Two. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Would it be? It, it kind of would. Uh, so the history of it is. It technically started in 1933 with the rise of Hitler, and then he brought Japan along, and America didn't Time get involved until... <laughs> yes, we do. Did I have a train of thought? I think I don't. This movie doesn't deserve a train of thought. <laughs> Choo-choo, all aboard, it's out of there. Yeah, if you, if you want to look at some propaganda, I would recommend it. I think it's probably the propaganda to look at. Other than, like, old Bugs Bunny cartoons, because those are actually entertaining to watch. Right. But, um... Other than was that... It, was old past. Bugs Bunny propaganda, though? Uh, Some episodes yes. were. Have you seen, like, the World War II Bugs Bunny cartoons? No. Or, like, they make I haven't seen Japanese any of people. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, like, they call them Nips. They do all really? of that. Really? Yeah. Huh. The title yeah. of the cartoon is Bug Bunny so... Nips the Nips. Huh. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, so... There's my stance. Probably pass unless you want to look at some propaganda. So, uh, Robbie, buy, rent, stream, or pass? 
So I'm kind of in the same realm with what you said. For the most part, this movie is definitely a pass. Like, if anything, watch a review, like watch a 10 minute review on it and you'll get the entire movie. Like, it's not like even ironically enjoyable. I disagree. I mean, if you're stoned out of your mind, maybe. (laughs) I've always viewed this as one of the greatest so bad it's good movies. Really? Yes. The acting is so awful. The set pieces look fucking terrible. And the overreaction Mm -hmm. on what marijuana, weed, sweet kush, that green green, the good good, does to you, I think it's really fun, honestly. (laughs) I like how much they fucking mess up and how many small fuck-ups there are in the movie. Oh, yeah. Like, well, when there's an arrest happening at the end of it. A girl's, like, taken out, and the carpet just, like, pulls up from under her, and there's just a giant roll of carpet there. And it's, like, very clearly a set, and it looks really bad. At one of the courtroom scenes, people just fucking stare into the camera. They stare right into the fucking thing. The line delivery, there's multiple parts in the movie where people are reading lines, they trip up over what they're saying, and then they start the line over again. Like, it's fucking amazing. It's so bad, I think it's good. I love it. I will say that this movie isn't a buy because it's so easy to stream for free everywhere. It's in public domain. You should definitely watch it. Maybe get a few friends together. Have a few drinks. Or chop one giant old big tree down. Roll a big old spliff. Why did you cut down a tree? It's just a just a oh, saying. What the hell's wrong with you? Just mow the grass. You, need those for... you should do that anyways. Why would you wait till this movie to do that? <laughs> so... I think with that all out of the way, it's time for us to head into full-on spoilers. If you've somehow gone your entire life without being spoiled by this thing, and you don't want to be spoiled still, just go to YouTube, Google Reefer Madness, the original thing is there, you can go to the Wikipedia page, it's also on there. It's, it's incredibly easy to find. But we're going to take a deep dive into Reefer Madness. Be prepared to get spoiled. The movie starts with the Ford. The motion picture you're about to witness may startle you. It may not have been possible otherwise to sufficiently emphasize the frightful toll of the new drug menace which is destroying the youth of America in alarmingly increasing numbers. Marijuana, it says in like bold and cursive letters, is the drug that the violent narcotic and unspeakable scourge, the real public enemy number one. Its first effect is sudden, violent, uncontrollable laughter. Then comes dangerous hallucinations. Space expands. Time slows down. Almost stands still. Fixed ideas come next, conjuring up monstrous extravagance, followed by emotional disturbances. The total inability to direct thoughts, the loss of all power to resist physical emotions, leading finally to acts of shocking violence, ending often in incurable insanity. In picturing its soul-destroying effects, no attempt was made to evocate by the scenes and incidents. While fictionalized to the purpose of the story, are based on actual research into the results of marijuana addiction. If their star stark reality makes you think, will make you aware that something must be done to wipe out this <laughs> ghastly menace, then the picture has not failed in its purpose, because the dread marijuana may be reaching far forth next to your son's, or daughter, or yours. Or yours. <laughs> so I just want to say real quick. Oh, I'm. Wait, can I say I'm a fucking idiot? Oh, okay. I was like, 
My what? I was like, what do you mean, mine, mine? I was like, what if your sons and your daughters eat? <laughs> That's why I, I was like, cause I thought it was like be, trying to be like, or you, but saying it dumb. And I was like, what is it? What do you mean, mine? <laughs> My what? So, I had the same problem, but it's because I have a short attention span. I forgot what the sentence was talking about. <laughs> so this is the first time that Rocky looked like, oh god, how much longer do I? Oh fuck, this movie's an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so what I want to say is this opening description far more explains the drug in the Dread remake from like six or seven years back, way more than it explains marijuana. Even like the weird oh, colors wait. and time slowing down part. Yeah, this is oh, not. Oh fuck! If they remade this movie now, they can actually use that effect that they use in the Dread movie. Right? It'd be they? so cool. Robbie, do you read faster in your head than when you speak? Because I feel like no, when my, you well, you have that issue, like you're reading it I faster. I kind of have you, that oh. issue, but also my microphone is like right in front of where the text is, so that. That's oh also okay. Cool. Shows a newspaper press running and floating headlines are start to read: Police wage war on narcotic rings. Dope peddlers caught in high school. Police raid are marijuana flat. Federals aid police in drug wars. Parent-teacher organizations join dope fight. And then it cuts to school meeting on the subject of tell your children. Guided by Dr. Alfred Carroll. It must be stopped. You and all the other school parent groups around the country. And you must stay united about this. And stamp out this frightful assassin of our youth. You can do it by bringing about compulsory education on the subject matters of narcotics in general. The drug marijuana in particular that is the purpose of this meeting, ladies and gentlemen, to lay the foundation for a wide campaign by you to demand by law such compulsory education. Because it is only through enlightenment that this scourge may be wiped out. Out of trafficking these drugs. Our lawlessness that we can scarcely estimate has grown and is now flourishing. It exists in almost every city and hammock in this country. It might be interesting and important for you to know some of the methods used in bringing these drugs into the country and the work of the forces of law and order which are daily combating the traffic always and the risk of life by their agents. This ceaseless fight against the drug traffic is directed by the Department of Narcotics Washington. I have received a letter of vital importance from a member of the Narcotics Bureau. I am going to read this letter to you. My dear Dr. Carroll, suppression of the use of marijuana and the forces lurking behind it are the most important jobs this department are now engaged in. Out of the outset of this letter, there is one vital fact I would like to submit. There is a power agency, I speak of the school parent association of this country, which can be invaluable in stamping out this scourge. Their help, their eternal vigilance, could be the deciding factor in our fight against it. The weed marijuana in every state in the Union, most recently in the city of Brooklyn, New York, a field of marijuana was found behind a tenement court. The weed was there being cultivated, regularly stripped, dried, 
and sold in schools and in government army posts in and around New York to try to leave some berries and ground up and made into cigarettes by simple hand machine. The deadly narcotic is quickly and easily prepared for its market. The sale of marijuana is even more difficult to detect and halt than trafficking drugs such as opium, morphine, and heroin. They are hidden in fake jewelry cases, in the heels of shoes, women's shoes especially, because the drugs can be secreted in false heels. Hollow shaving brushes are another medium. Books with false centers are often used. Watch cases are convenient hiding places. The value of drugs... <laughs> I'm sorry. <clears throat> I think he broke himself. <laughs> <clears throat> the value of drugs are thus seized is enormous. Recently, a huge supply of heroin was taken. It was concealed in a apparent harmless shipment of 45 barrels of olive oil. The deadly drug was burned in the incinerator of the Bureau of Engraving and Imprinting, and more vicious and more deadly than these soul-destroying drugs is the menace of marijuana. No doubt many of you do not believe these things to happen, that they cannot happen to you. You may also believe that the facts may have been exaggerated. Let me tell you something that happened right here in our own city. You probably read about it in the papers. However, I will give you the real facts behind the case. There was an apartment near one of our high schools. It was run by a woman known as May Coleman. I don't know why, like, a parent... Like, he's like, oh, yeah, we found, like, a shit ton of heroin. And then somehow that relates back to marijuana? Marijuana's way worse than heroin. But, like, what basis is that off of? Fear. Like, there's just... Racism. They're just like, look at all this fucking heroin we found. There's 45 barrels worth of heroin. But also marijuana. I don't know if you remember the description that Robbie was saying before we watched the movie. But it says the dangers of marijuana as well as the dangers of jazz music. So... <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, that's what it says in the description. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, when man. do they play the piano? Is that supposed to... Yeah, that's the jazz music. Yeah, because they're playing jazz music on the piano in this movie. You know, it's quite convenient that those are both things that are highly regarded as black things. Weird, at isn't the it? Time. Isn't that weird? Yeah, totally weird. And totally not, like, Totally has nothing to do with this movie because this movie is completely filled with white people. Yeah. There's no <laughs> black people in here, so there's no way they could be racist. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but yeah, like that whole thing was basically just our uh, whole – that whole monologue they had at the beginning was just fear-mongering, like plain and simple. Also, so like the Dr. Col- Dr. Coleman? Carol. Carol. Um, he's just like a teacher, right? No, he's a doctor. Yeah, he's like the principal of the school, but they keep calling him doctor. Picture transitions into the next scene, and the movie now begins. A man wearing a suit and R and a top hat enters the apartment and walks into the bedroom where a woman is sleeping. Hey, come on, May, get up. What time is it? Time to get up and give this place a going over. Looks like the Marines have landed. Oh, that bunch last night was high enough to take over the Marines and the Navy. Better get on the job. 
Some ki- or some of the kids may be up this afternoon. Oh, Jack, we can get along without dragging us kids up here. Oh, why don't you button your lips? You're always squawking about something. You always get, or you got more static than a radio. She begins to get ready and starts getting dressed while drag- Jack goes and grabs a package from the kitchen. When he hears the doorbell, he puts the package back and then opens the door. Oh, we're, oh, there's a group that he greets while he opens the door and invites them in. They all make small talk while Jack goes and grabs Meg and tells her that uh, some of her customers are here. She makes a point to say that at least they're old enough to know better, unlike Jack's customers. He tells her that he's leaving and to make some deliveries and to go buy Joe's or to bring back some kids. May doesn't like it, but Jack continues and tells her uh, to get over her mother complex. He goes back to the kitchen, grabs a package, and leaves the house. The next scene starts at a school cro- crossing with the policeman directing traffic. It follows up some guys that are, are walking past, and one of them says that they're having a party at their grandmother's house and telling Ralph that he should drop by. Then Jack walks up and starts talking to Ralph and while they're out, kind of scouting some high school students, and they look at a this yellow Ford, at least in the colored version, it's a yellow Ford. And the kids that were walk, are walking with Ralph start talking and saying that are that him and everyone in his family are up are up to no good. That his parents got a divorce whenever they went to Paris, and that Ralph has been pretty much on his own, and that he's are even been in a couple of jams, and that maybe they should stay away from him. How old is Ralph supposed to be? They never say. They just say he's kind of old. Because like the what I assume is his wife's like talking like he's in his late 20s saying like oh her her clients are old enough to know better and stuff so like it feels like there's just this like 27 man around all these high schoolers kind of like that's whenever those two start talking about him they're just like oh yeah he's a bit older like my dad said so right that doesn't make a good case that the dad is like oh yeah that ralph oh he really let himself go after after all the stuff. Yeah, they never really say how old Ralph is. They just say that he's older than the high school students he hangs out with. So Jack and Ralph go up to the yellow car that they were scouting earlier and introduce themselves. Not introduce themselves. They introduce uh, Ralph introduced Jack to Mary, Bill, and Jimmy, saying that they're going to Joe's place and invites them to come with. They say they have a double a date or to play a set of doubles, but Jimmy seems like he's still interested and goes with them to the diner. Movie cuts to the diner where music is playing and people are dancing having a merry time while the piano player seems a bit sketched out while he's playing. Jack, Jimmy, and Ralph arrive at the diner, and Jimmy's instantly greeted by a lady friend, and they instantly notice the piano player. Hey, he ain't no paper man. Why don't you know him? That's Hot Fingers Parati. Boy, he really swings out a hot one to mess a jive. You wanna dance? (laughs) What do I? (laughs) Anyways, as the two dance, uh, who you learn later as Blanche... Blanche, Jack, and Ralph sit at the table and talk about the new prospects while watching Jimmy and his lady friend dance. Eventually, Hotfinger finishes his song and steps away from the (laughs) piano. Immediately, Jimmy takes his seat and starts playing a tune of his own. Meanwhile, Hotfinger walks into another room and pulls out a case and Monkey lights what looks to be another cigarette. If you watch, watch it in the color version, the smoke starts to turn green, signifying that he's smoking marijuana. He starts uh, to look more and more sketchy as he continues to smoke the weed, going further into madness. Again, this seems more like actual cigarettes. Like, he's having withdrawal. Like, <laughs> Nobody makes that face he makes, though. No. That is just the most unfortunate nickname. <laughs> so Jimmy and his lady friend are invited over to May's house, and the five leave to uh, meet at the apartment. 
Later, it shows Bill and Mary at Mary's house when they talk about home ec class while her mother brings them out hot chocolate because they can't study on an empty stomach. Before they start to study, Bill decides to read a passage from Romeo and Juliet to Mary to show R that it reminds him of her. Bill kisses her and then is interrupted by Mrs. Lane and starts to walk away while R, while leaving. While he's leaving, he's walking backwards, falling into a fountain, and then leaves embarrassed. Was like <laughs> this whole scene is dumb. Was Romeo and Juliet like super novel at the time or something where like you wouldn't be seen as an idiot for being like, hey, I know Romeo and Juliet, no, my girl. So the thing is that there was a very long time where Romeo and Juliet was considered to be extremely like, risque. Well, it is if you actually yeah, like. Yeah, right. It is. It. So the thing is. There are a bunch of rumors about how this movie was funded. One of the more popular ones when I was looking things up is that it was funded by a church. And this was originally meant to be shown to parents to uh, show them the addiction and volatile nature of marijuana. So if it was funded by a church, you could see how they would put something like this in. Because if you notice, whenever they're done talking about Romeo and Juliet or quoting Romeo and Juliet, the mom they kiss and the mom comes out. And that's when she comes out and she's like, oh, hey, you two. So it's like... Anti-sex as well is kind of in there, so yeah, it, it definitely is. You could definitely see that the church would have funded this. So later, shows Bill at home, and his mother asks uh, why he's home so late, and he says that, "Oh, I had to study, Ma." Which his little brother tattles and says that he saw him walking around uh, around with his girl and teasing him about Bill has a girlfriend. Bill has a girlfriend, and Bill tells him to stop. Are uh, eventually causing him to chase him around the uh, around the house while his little brother is yelling out, "Bill has a girlfriend! Bill has a girlfriend!" It's this really dumb scene. Are uh, where eventually he catches him, and Junior says, "Like, hey, I'm telling the truth." And Bill says, "That's not it. I'm burnt up because you didn't say that Bill has a swell girl." And they go on about like, "Oh, it must be true love because uh, he wouldn't talk about her otherwise." Then Bill tells him, "Like, oh, you must want something." He's like, "Well." Could you fix my model airplane? Because you can fix anything, Bill. It's like, all right. And then he goes up to go fix it. And, like, kind of shows that, like, Bill has, like, the happy, perfect life, at least according to 1930s propaganda terms. He does. I got that Bill's just a pushover. <laughs> I mean, that too. But, you know, you're considered to be a gentleman in the 30s if you're a pushover. What a terrible time to be alive. <laughs> I definitely didn't get the pushover. I mean,. Thing. <laughs> He got, like, bullied by this, like, eight-year-old. It's his little brother. So? I mean, this he is the 1930s. Was not That's what they had the target for this kind of propaganda, because he would watch his like, man, he's a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> the mom's a push too. <laughs> and then I spin it to a woman's rights movement. What? <laughs> like, he should, she should stand up for herself more. <laughs> oh, hello, Jimmy. Mary told me to wait and tell you to go home. Her mother wanted her to go to the dressmaker with her. Oh, thanks, Jimmy. Huh, must be getting grown up. I see Mary let you have the car. Yeah, can I take it any place? Well, I wasn't going any place in particular. Well, then, how about driving you over to Joe's place with me? I'll buy you a soda. I never drink the stuff. Well, gee, I'll buy you something else then. Okay, you're on the hook for one rupiah. Yeah, I thought that was just like a really weird scene. It's like, oh, I never drink soda, but I'll drink a rupiah. I mean, different times. There was still a a bartender for the things, so, you know. 
So Bill and Jimmy go to Joe's and they meet up with Ralph and Blanche. They invite Bill to go back over to May's apartment. They start to pressure him just a little bit to go over there. Like, oh, come on, you can come with. It'll be fun. And eventually he cracks and he decides, like, okay, I'll go with you guys. To face. <laughs> this is a guy who will fall in a fountain. Come on, let's be. <laughs> <laughs> Only pushovers fall into fountains. And you know, he didn't, like, wait for his pants to dry. He just walked home with wet pants. Yeah, that's what you did back then. What was he going to do? Go inside and just take his pants off? <laughs> <laughs> just wait oh, a bit. Just lay out in the what? sun. That's oh, what he would do because he's not a pushover. Okay, it's the 30s. Just take off your pants and walk home in your underwear. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm just going to lay here in the sun and dry my ass, Mrs. Marie. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. <laughs> I.e., compared to your standards, I think everyone's a bitch. (laughs) Those are really hard standards. So anyways, at May's house, a party seems to be happening. Bill sits down and is introduced to to May uh, by Blanche. Blanche is like, hey, this is Bill. He's all right. Okay. May goes to the kitchen, uh, tells Jack there's a new guy in there. Jack says, yeah, that's Bill. He's all right. Then Jack makes a comment about how Blanche was with Ralph. Now she has her hooks out for this new Bill character. May reaches into the cabinet and checks her box and says, or tells Jack they're running low on smokes and that he better go get some. Jack tells her that his car is in the shop. And she tells him, well, have Jimmy give you a ride. He has a car. He gets up and he goes grab, and grabs Jimmy. He's like, hey, like I need to ru- ride over this place. You mind give me a ride? And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. And they leave to go get some more smokes. Bill looks around the party and uh, happens to see some young couples that are making out and starting to get frisky. And he looks like he's just a little bit uncomfortable. He pulls out a cigarette and asks Blanche if she wants or wants one of his normal cigarettes, to which she says no. Then May comes up and hands her one, and she goes ahead and she takes it. Then Ralph asks, hey, where's mine? And May gives one to Ralph, too. Blanche tells Bill that if he wants a good smoke, he better try one of these. Looks around and sees everyone smoking. And at, or if you're watching the color version again, like everyone's blowing out a different color of smoke at this point in time. Like, Yeah, that's one of those fun touches that I like. Yeah, I like that too. I was gonna say because like the first girl, like it could look almost like normal smoke, but it's just a little bit of an off orange. So when Jack and Jimmy get to their destination, Jimmy asks if Jack or can give him a cigarette, or while he waits, Jack seems hesitant but gives him one before walking inside, where he meets his boss and asks for a couple more cartons because he's running low. Pete shows up and tells the boss that he d- doesn't need dough so bad that he's willing to take two or bit pieces from kids. Boss tells him that there's millions of two bits to be taken. He says that he doesn't need the dough that badly. So uh, the boss says, all right, Pete, you know, my policy has, has always been the boys are not satisfied. I'm always glad to have them retire, retire permanently. After being told this, Pete leaves are uh, usually saying like, well, I wish you had kids. So that way I could. All right, get out of here. And the boss tells Jack to pick up his supply and, and go. When she gets back out to the car where Jimmy is waiting. Let's go, Jack. I'm red hot. Better be careful how you drive. First thing you know, you'll be ice cold. Yeah, and then so this part, you get like a scene of them driving along and he's just driving recklessly. Insanely so. At the time, anyway. <laughs> and Ralph was like, gotta, s-, or no, Jack's like, you gotta slow down, man. Like, if you don't, everything's gonna be terrible here. Like, slow down, slow down. He's like, going past stop signs and stoplights until the movie tries to convince us that he hit somebody but if you watch the movie like literally the guy was just next to the car and laid down yeah, it looks really really if bad you, if you want to get an idea of the visual it's like when you're on a map in a video game and you get to the boundaries and you kind of just don't do anything for a second <laughs> that's pretty much what it looked like kind of then everyone's really discerned because this guy clearly had a heart attack everyone just crowds around <laughs> him yeah <laughs> yeah 
But later, shows Mary sitting down at a, ta- or at a table, and her mother mentions that she hasn't eaten her breakfast yet. And then mention- also mentions that Bill hasn't been around lately, and if anything is wrong between them, which Mary says that, uh, it's like, oh, why would anything be wrong? And then uh, she's like, well, maybe you should talk or talk to him. She basically says that she should ask Bill what's going on because Bill doesn't seem like the lying type. And she's like, oh, yeah, Bill Harper has never lied about anything. Even his mother says so. So Jimmy comes to the table and he seems a bit distraught. And uh, when Mary asks what's wrong, he starts to get angry with her and telling her to back off. And he's refusing to talk about it. And then she just basically just says, like, like hey, like don't let mom see you like that. And then it just kind of like does a hard jump cut to the Bureau of Investigation. There is no doubt that there is an organized gang distributing the narcotics to students, not only in my school, but all over the city. Your government men have got to find some way to put an end to it. Of course I agree with you, Dr. Carroll. But do you realize that marijuana is not like other forms of dope? You see, it grows wild in almost every state in the Union. Therefore, there is practically no interstate commerce in the drug. As a result, the government's hands are tied. And frankly, the only show here is a widespread campaign in education. <laughs> oh, it's all right to talk about education, Mr. White, but we educators can't do anything till the public is sufficiently aroused. Well then, let me show you something. And in nineteen thirty is the records on marijuana in the Washington office of the narcotics division scarcely filled the small folder like this. Today they fill cabinets, all these devoted to <laughs> records. Here's an example. 16-year-old lad apprehended in the act of staging a holdup. 16 years old and an addict. Here is a most tragic case. Yes, I remember. Just a young boy under the influence of the drug. He killed his entire family with an axe. Lynn, there is the most vicious type of case here in Michigan. A young girl, 17 years old, Rafi Smoker, taken in a raid in the company with five young men. Here is a particularly flagrant case. Yes, I remember the newspapers made quite a play of it in West Virginia, wasn't it? Oh, yes, and there are hundreds of them coming up, new ones every day. I'd like to take these records, if I may. I feel they would be invaluable assistance to me in combating the evil in my school. Oh, you're very welcome to, Dr. Carroll. (laughs) I feel like during the scene, it was kind of unnecessary for Mr. Wyatt to be rubbing his nipples the entire time. It's, It's probably, I'm an idiot. What happened to the girl? They didn't really say. They just said that she was taken in a raid in the com- or with the company of five other men as to say, like, oh, yes, this one woman was with these five other men, all smoking Rifa and doing other things. So so her crime was that she was smoking. And that she was a slut. <laughs> so, fun fact. The commissioner, the commissioner of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, Harry Anslinger, 
was kind of the real heart and soul of getting weed criminalized. Anslinger used lies, slander, and outright racism to convince people of the time that weed was one of the worst things out there. This, of course, was right after the prohibition on alcohol, so he needed something else to uh, demonize the Kush. That's the theory, anyway. Um, so, because of that, he was trying to maintain relevancy with it and prove that he needed to keep his office. One tactic he used was something he deemed the Gore Files, which held nearly 200 supposed cases of people using marijuana and committing heinous acts or murders or crimes. Um, the one that they mention here was based off of something that supposedly happened. Something horrible did happen, but it wasn't because of the use of marijuana. Uh, it was underlying issues that we'll get into, I'll mention here in a bit later. So later, Bill is in the office with Dr. Carroll, and he's asking if there's anything wrong with Bill because his grades are starting to drop. And Bill tells him that it's nothing, or nothing is wrong. He just needs to study harder. If anything, the material is getting a little bit harder, too. However, the doc sees through this and says that if he's telling the truth, that he would be telling a very different story and asks him to be honest and or says to him, isn't it true that you have perhaps unwillingly acquired a certain harmful habit through the association of certain undesirable people? Bill denies this and says that he just or has some worries at home and they leave it at that. Dr. Carroll just basically tells him, like, if you ever need to talk to me, you can always come to my office. He's like, all right, thanks, and leaves. Now, I know it's because he's, like, 100% sure that Bill's smoking, but it feels weird to me that Bill's like, no, actually, stuff's happening at home, and then Dr. Carroll's like, all right, I don't fucking care, then go away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it cuts to Mary with a tennis racket, and she seems to be waiting for Bill. And uh, just some random guy that's passed passing up i can't remember what his name was it was like i want to say it was tanner but it wasn't tanner but like he just comes up and asks her if she wants to play and she says that she's waiting for bill that's whenever the guy tells him like oh he hasn't really been here in weeks then it ju- jump cuts to may's apartment where jimmy's playing are so- uh, something hot and bill is dancing with blanche and then like as blanche is kind of just like slowly disrobing herself as they're dancing to this music that jimmy is playing and it cuts to may are who's in the kitchen making herself a drink and then jack are comes in mentions that it didn't take long for the new kid to catch on she ends up mentioning that it doesn't take long for any of them to catch on bill starts starts to take blanche with him into the bedroom where they start to kiss like go between kissing and laughing and then kissing and laughing and then eventually like even though they're in a bedroom she lays down on a couch in the bedroom or like a long chair out of all things yeah. and like it's kind of egging like come on bill come on like kind of bring him towards her and the 1930s way that a girl would seduce a guy, I'm supposing at least. To define the scene in a word, good sir, I would say gaping. <laughs> what? So after the implied gaping at the party, I it they just you. take a nap. <laughs> After they totally take a nap while they're thinking about wild horses, <laughs> it cuts to investigators at Mary's house telling her that they're looking for a hit and run driver that that they caught the license plate, but it wasn't a full one. They didn't get quite right, but it fits the description of her car. When they ask her where she was, she says that she was at the dressmakers all afternoon. When they asked if uh, she lent the car to anyone, she lies and tells her that she had the car, car that afternoon. 
And she asks if the man was killed. They say no, but that's no excuse for reckless driving. I'll say these are terrible investigators. They're really bad. We have to do something, but we don't have the full data about it. So we're just going to go ask random people about their cars. Right, but this woman's clearly, like, fidgeting around and clearly lying. I mean, it's 1930s cops, so. Yeah, before lying was invented. That's true. (laughs) After that, it actually cuts to, uh, it kind of just does a jump cut showing that Mary went to Joe's. She go ahead and asks the bartender if he has seen Jimmy uh, that day. He says that he saw him earlier, but he went over to May's place. Like, you should know where it's at. And she's like, oh, well, you think you might be able to help me? Because I'm not quite sure where it's at. He says that she looks okay and writes down the address for her. Cuts to May's place. Mary rings the doorbell. Ralph answers and asks if Jimmy is around. Ralph says that uh, he took Agnes home, which I'm guessing is his lady friend. They never give her a name in that movie. That's why I just like put her down as lady friend. But he says, like, oh, he took, Ag- or he took Agnes home, but he should be right back. Why don't you come on in and sit down? And as they sit down, Ralph tells a couple that's are next to them that's kind of sleeping off their wee, or, yeah, sleeping off their wee, telling, hey, you guys scram. And then he offers her a, or offers her a smoke uh, while they wait. The next room shows Bill and Blanche. Looks like they're coming down pretty hard. Uh, Ralph starts raping almost. Yeah, yeah, like uh, he starts. Mary, Ralph, and Mary start getting kind of giggly with each other, and Ralph kind of just starts forcing himself on top of like, "Give me a kiss, uh, Mary." She's like, "No, very rough no." Segue. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is, and that's why I made it because that's how I feel. It, it, it is uh, what happens next is Ralph just starts forcing himself on top of our uh, onto Mary and like starts kind of ripping off her clothes, which is. I'm guessing very risque for a 1930s movie to have this scene. I mean, rape is risque for movies now. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's say, fair. You must be watching some pretty high and <laughs> intense stuff. If <laughs> you're like, oh, I guess this is risque. <laughs> you could call that a rape for the 30s. <laughs> well, no, I'm saying just because like it's mostly him like just trying to kiss her and like she's pushing him away, but it is implied rape. That's going on right now. I feel like the point you're taking off her clothes it goes past implied. Bill exits uh, the room and he sees Barry being almost raped. And he's yeah, like, he see, he sees Ralph like forcing himself on her while she's screaming for him to stop. And like, weirdly enough in his head, like it just kind of like shows that she's willing and wanting to do this. Like he sees her undoing her own dress and like them kissing on each other. And he can like kind of hear in his head, him reading Romeo and Juliet to her while his, he can also hear his uh, little brother junior going, Bill's got a girlfriend. Bill's got a girlfriend. But also what she's saying is repeating in his head too, or she's like, get off me. No, I don't want this. Which, it's a whole weird mixed yeah. up scene. At this point with him seeing everything that's going on, Bill goes up and he starts attacking Ralph and uh, both decks him in the face. It's great. Uh, well, yeah, he just like pulls him off the couch and decks him in the face and they start fighting. And then which causes Mary to start screaming. And so that causes Jack to get out of the kitchen and see the fight that's breaking out. And he just instantly pulls out a fucking gun and like goes after them. And like he is a drug dealer. I'm not surprised he just has a gun. But on he him. doesn't shoot yeah, the but gun. Like, he turns the gun the other way to use it as a hammer. Yeah, yeah. he tragically thought that this was a hammer and not a gun. <laughs> <laughs> because he, he, was he grabbed the wrong cock. <laughs> <laughs> but he goes to hit Bill with the butt of the gun, and Bill starts to fight back, and a shot is just kind of fired off into the arm. Out into the wild, if you will. And 
Blanche looks out and she sees that Mary is now laying on the couch with the gu- our gunshot wound. Jack eventually knocks out Bill and they go in to check on Mary. They realize that our uh, Mary's been shot and she's dead. Also, I'll say the the angle the gun was at is way too low to have shot uh-huh. her. Oh That's yeah, it's a def- hell of a shot because the wound is like just like if someone pointed directly down on her and shot, you know. Yeah, like, but like he literally shot across the floor. And yet it somehow bounced up and hit her in the back. Maybe they just have rubber floors. Is that like what the, the thing was back then in the 30s? Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the 30s, he definitely had rubber floors. We wouldn't see such magic that bullets is... until the uh, JFK assassination. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so Jack's like going there. He's like telling the other two to get out because he'll handle the situation. Uh he then places the gun in Bill's hand, and Bay returns with like a pitcher of water. I thought he was just gonna dump the pitcher of water on his face. Yeah, that That's would actually make sense. <laughs> I think that would be too much of a shock to the system. I think he tried because he's trying to make it actually seem like Bill did this somehow. Yeah, so he just like puts his hand in the jug <clears throat> of water and just flicks it on his face a couple times, just a few dots, just to wake him up. That's all. Yeah, if I was in this position, I could sympathize with the decision. Because what are you going to say? Hey, look, man, I thought I grabbed the hammer. I didn't. <laughs> I think a bullet ricocheted off the ceiling, shot your girlfriend. So, so we're uh, still cool, though, right? Cool. <laughs> I will trade you one six pack of marijuana for <laughs> not ever talking about this ever again. But yeah, like he kind of after he splashes some water on his face, he kind of picks our uh, Bill up and faces him towards where Mary is at. And Bill like looks and sees that Mary's dead on the couch. And he looks down at his hand and realizes he's holding the gun. He looks very shocked and are uh, kind of like that. What happened? What have I done? Kind of look. And then he, he asks Jack, what, what happened? Jack just tells him you killed her. Then he that's just kind of trust. Yeah, that's definitely who he trusts as a shady drug dealer. And after that, he just uh, he's crying over her body and like shaking her, trying to wake her up in like that kind of weird attempt that they did in old movies like that. Whenever someone died and just like, come on, come on, wake up. Don't do this to me. Yeah. Kind of fashion. To be fair, in most movies at that time, that worked apparent for some reason. <laughs> well, because it wasn't quite as controversial as this movie was. Ooh, that's true. You weren't allowed to kill people back then. <laughs> actually, that might actually be yeah, kind of yeah. true. Kind of is, actually. <laughs> that is kind of true. You also weren't allowed to show gaping, but hey, this movie got away with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 but anyways, um, Jack goes over to May, tells her, like, this is the exact story that you are that you are. Tell him you tell him that these high school students came over for a couple of beers that you went into the kitchen and that you heard a shot. Whenever you came back, you are you found are you found him like this. And you stick to that story. Again, the high schoolers came over for a couple of beers. Uh-huh. Yep. That is the story you tell the police. Yep. Mm-hmm. In this propaganda film about how drugs are bad, but only weed, because other drugs aren't as bad, apparently. Correct. Yeah. Marijuana is worse than heroin. Worse than heroin, alcohol, tobacco. Tabasco and <laughs> morphine, opium, dope. 
It's the worst. <laughs> the <dope. laughs> the it dope. is the worst of the dopes. Well, we're back at Joe's and uh, Jack, Jack comes. Enters. Yeah, he ends up grabbing Jimmy's attention. He tells him that uh, the guy that Jimmy hit or uh, hit with the car eventually died. He assures Jimmy that he's not going to tell anyone as long as or he never tells anyone that he was at May's apart, uh, apartment, that he that's just not a place that he goes to. It ends up cutting later on to the courtroom where they call up Dr. Carroll to the stand. And they ask him if he or had noticed any changes in Bill in the last three months. He tells him that he noticed a disassociation of ideas and a lack of, of aiming in tennis, which is associated with marijuana, which causes an error in time and space. They asked if he had also been, uh, if he seemed like he was under any mental strain, uh, which could have been induced by drugs, which he says that, uh, yes, he recalls an English class, class while discussing Romeo and Juliet. He just burst into uncontrollable fits of hysterical laughter. And then uh, they asked what he was like before this, and he mostly just says that he was a fine, upstanding American boy before all this. I was going to say, none of this would be actually usable in court. This doesn't retain you know, like the all, case yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah, it cuts to Ralph, and he's stress-smoking. And Blanche is telling him to calm down because he's uh, just a boy. It's not like they can hang him, and Ralph just keeps telling her to shut up. And he seems like he's just continually becoming more and more agitated. And May seems worried. She wants to leave because they seem to be getting on her nerves. But Jack says they have to stay until the trial is over, and they have to watch over them. Or at least up in, or until the, or they have to watch them until the trial is over or until the boss comes up with something better. May is worried about R that Ralph is going to crack and that he's going to tell him all that he knows R. And Jack says not to worry. He goes out to go see the boss and tells him to keep an eye on Blanche and on Ralph. When Jazz, Jack asks the boss what to do later on, uh, the boss says to keep feeding him those hot sticks. But Jack says that he's worried that Ralph will crack when, uh, when the verdict comes for Bill. And they agree that it's best that R- Ralph doesn't hear the verdict. At the trial, the lawyer is arguing his case that Bill uh, wasn't insane, that he shot her, uh, shot her, and the jury should find him guilty of murder. And, uh, when, dis- uh, when discussing this with the jury, which is what Rocky was talking about earlier, uh, only one person in the jury believes that he wasn't in his right mind and that uh, it could have been my, uh, you know, some kind of mind-altering experience and why he did this. But the rest of the jury uh, believes that he's guilty because he did murder her. He says that he murdered her. He confessed to it and that he shouldn't uh, be able to plea insanity and murder shouldn't be able to get away with this. And during this time, uh, it looks like just some wire that's hanging up like the. Hey, I have a question. What did you guys feel about the like? How did you guys feel about the the guy who uh, who had objected? Like he's like, this doesn't seem right. Did you have any opinion one way or another? I feel like he has a point, like... Well, no, not his point, but him as a uh, person. Like, for me, uh, I just... He was just a guy. Like, yeah, he's just a, a dude. human being in a yeah, movie I, of he was, aliens. He was jury number five, or juror number five, basically. I, yeah, I feel like, because if this is propaganda against a weed, that they would try to portray someone that's looks look that's looked at disfavorably from a societal eye. So what is the... Like, where's the gap? Because I see that and I just see a person. But you know, like, that movie was catered to people when they saw the person. Like, oh, you know who that kind of guy is. No, you know no, what I, I mean? I think the point is they're like, don't let this be you. Don't be tricked by this tomfoolery. 
But it's 1930s I, case. Like they 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 just want to hang this kid. They don't care about anything else. Like the fact that in the jurors' room, like the guy who keeps arguing that he murdered her and uh, he confessed to it. But they make the point to like, uh, you see this, uh, you know, the wire that they used to turn off a ceiling, turn on and off a ceiling fan, waving back and forth. And whenever the guy sees that, he just sees a noose uh, waving back and forth during this time. So I think more or less he just wants to see this kid die. Like, that's what I got out of it, at least. That's what, you know, that's the person they really want you to aspire to be. Like, I oh, yeah. to see some kid hung. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they really push that narrative. Like They, they showed, did push like, that narrative that everything. they... People yes. in the 1930s really wanted to see teenagers die. That, that was that's the point they're making right there. Actually, there is something that really annoys me. So they do like the noose part, but they keep the they don't like replace the shadow that you already see with the noose or anything. They just put it in the frame, and the shadow of the of the, the clicking thing for the fan is still there, but the noose has no shadow. It looks stupid. <laughs> It does. Like it would, it would have made more sense if they just like cut it to a noose swinging around and then cut it back to the, uh, you know, the clicker uh, swinging back and forth. But like, I this is whenever adding, or like adding a shot on top of the shot to make that effect was still new. So I think they just probably wanted to use that effect. And so, like, it didn't, it, it wasn't perfect, especially by today's standards, but it was neat to them, at least, when it came to practical effects that they used back in the 1930s. Yeah, back at the hideout, Ralph still looks like he's uh, losing his mind as he paces back and forth, eventually telling Blanche to cut the racket while she plays piano. He sees that they are, they're out of reefer, and demands to me that they bring more. Word that, uh, that they're going to hang Bill, he starts saying that he wants to see Jack, and that so he can get out of there. Because they can't let Bill hang. And it seems like he's clearly starting to lose it. Blanche tries to calm Ralph down by sitting him down and playing some more piano. Even though he told her to stop earlier. Starts playing him a tune. She asks him for a smoke. He lights her one and they both are smoke reefer while she plays. And then he just demands that she continues to play faster and faster. Until he just sees something crack in Ralph. Jack walks through the door. I know what you want. You want to kill me. You're crazy. Take it easy, kid. I just want to talk to you. And then you Ralph sound like a voice actor from like PS One. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he delivers the line. It's like you're. It's not crazy. necessarily a bad thing. I just thought it was interesting. <laughs> yeah, like, it reminded me of like something I like hear on Silent Hill or something. <laughs> but yeah, like as soon as he's like, it's, like, calm down. I just want to talk. Ralph just starts beating him over the head with a fire poker at that point, which no, looked like a Jack stick at out. first. Jack's like putting his hand in his pocket like he's clearly going to pull out a gun. I guess I didn't notice that part. Yeah, it just starts beating the shit out of Jack with a fire poker and just continues to beat him while Blanche switches between screaming and laughing at the or what's going on in front of her. And then just like randomly cuts to a neighbor calling the police saying this uh, terrible fight has broken out in apartment 232. Is that the neighbor? That, I thought that was me. No, that was just some random neighbor. After that, it uh, kind of cuts back to Ralph. He's sitting in a daze with a fire poker still in hand when the police just kind of run into the house and start apprehending everyone. May seems like she's complying. Blanche is resisting and like kicking and screaming and saying, let go of me. And Ralph is pretty much just in a comatose at this point. And then I think this is the part that Dry was talking about where she's like kicking and screaming and she like kicks up the carpet and there's just like another roll of carpet yeah, underneath it's it. Really good. I really like it. <laughs> Because it's just so stupid. Because they're like bringing her out and everything's, they're trying to make it look like a real place. 
And when she very easily just trips on the carpet and then everybody just keeps the carpet there and looks at it and notices that it's ripped up. And then they keep that shot anyway. Well, I mean, I mean what you, it was you the can't 1930s. really retake it. They don't have more film. Yeah, I was going to say, like, film was expensive back then. So you just had to, you couldn't take multiple takes like you can today. You just had to go with what you had. Yeah, I suppose. That also being said, like Dry was saying earlier, like people fuck up their lines all the time in this movie. Like they do a bunch of weird things on the set. They are, they'll stutter a line like what I do whenever I talk here. But like after they go and take everyone from the apartment, it uh, shows May being interrogated in like this very kind of dizzying scene where they're trying to like have a montage of everything that's going on, but it just makes everything super confusing where May is being interrogated by the police. And eventually she tells them, uh, what they want to know they go and like it shows them like finding the supply of drugs and like a montage of cop cars just driving and police officers like running into dens and like just some random cop hitting a wall with an axe and the hit spell out hi <laughs> just had to note that because it was really like amazing i don't like it probably wasn't on purpose but like it's just amazing it might have been no we like all know it was on like purpose. Hello. No, just like hello, hi. Oh. <laughs> but uh, all of those, uh, along with the boss being arrested at the end of the montage, and the papers reading, Hoppa Case gang lead is captured. All higher ups of gang behind are uh, behind the scenes, and Hoppa Case is taken into custody. In the judge's chambers, Blanche is confessing to the judge of what actually happened, and the lawyer actually does, in her case, try to make her sent our sentence a bit more lenient. But she uh, decides she's going to tell the judge anyways what's going on, even if he uh, doesn't give her a more lenient sentence. Saying that, uh, telling him what actually happened, saying that Jack is the one who killed Mary and then framed Bill. And she tells him that Bill didn't know the wiser because he was too doped up to know it was, or to know any better. She said it was uh, just as much her fault because uh, she got them to go along to the apartment. That she's, uh, so she's as much to blame and pleads guilty to fostering moral delinquency in the William Harper case. And with, it, uh, with her signing her confession, Bill can be found not guilty in his case. Blanche is told that she'll be held as a material witness in Ralph's case. And on her way out of the judge's chamber, she remembers how she was the one who gave, uh, or first gave Bill a joint. And that she's the one who pulled him to the room and caught, or where they had the gaping happening. And how she did nothing while they framed Bill for murder. She becomes so overwhelmed with guilt that she looks at the window as that they're walking towards and then jumps out of it, killing herself. Uh, it goes back to the courtroom. And the ju- uh, judge sets uh, aside Bill's case. Tells him that he's let free, but he cannot condone the actions that led him uh, down this path. And tells him that he's required to stay to see Ralph's case so he can see what he so narrowly escaped. Ralph is brought into the courtroom, looking wild as ever, and is recommended that he's placed into an an institution, the criminally insane, for the rest of his natural life. Since the Council of Defense and the Council of the State agree, the judge grants the request. Cuts back to Dr. Carroll, now looking into the camera. That happened right here to your neighbors. It is not too much to say that in your hands lays the possibility of averting other tragedies like it. We must work untiringly so that our children are obliged to learn the truth. Because it is only through knowledge that we can safely protect them. Failing this, the next tragedy may be that our, your daughter, or your son, or yours, or yours.
looks directly into the camera when he says, or yours, for the last one. Or yours. And then, like, blood starts flowing down the, the <laughs> may walls. May as well. And... <laughs> it may as well, our blood flowing down the, our, down the screen while it says, tell your children, across the screen. And then the movie ends. Yeah, and so... Yeah, and that'd been a cool-ass scene if they had, like, blood flowing down, like, this stairwell from, like, this door, and you just see all these limbs of children in the stream. <laughs> so, here's the other part of that story I was telling you earlier, earlier. The movie was rumored to be inspired by a murder case in 1933. A Florida man killed both his parents, two brothers, and sister with an axe, all supposedly while under the influence of the wacky tobacco. It was, of course... Later discovered that the man suffered from schizophrenia with homicidal tendencies. But as most things are used to manipulate a specific agenda, the case was still used in the 1937 Tax Act that pretty much eliminated the sale of the tall grass, as we may call it. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, like that whole scene of like, yes, he murdered his entire family with an axe. Like they, that was a real case that they tried to say was because of marijuana. Yeah, and all those gore files yeah, that I mentioned before. But- where there's like 200 things of like horrible heinous acts. Uh, most of those actually didn't happen at all. They were almost completely made up. And even the ones that did happen had nothing to do with weed, of course. Yeah, but why why tell truths when you can just say a large number? That's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, hooray, that's this quote-unquote <laughs> movie. That's this propaganda piece. Man, what an awful movie. I still think what an that's awful stupid movie. and fun. Oh, this month's going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's go over to Rocky. One out of ten rating. Ah, oh, man, this movie, this movie gets a ten. Straight up ten. <laughs> tell you what I love about the movie. It's an honest portrayal about the dangers of life on the street. And you just got to appreciate it for how real it is. 10 out of 10, love it. We are talking about Reefer Madness, not Fruitvale Station. Yeah, but I'm not going to give this an honest (laughs) rating. He's going to talk talk about a different movie now. (laughs) I want to talk about something else. All right. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'll give it a... I'll give it a fucking two. You didn't even want to give it that. (laughs) There is a rating below zero. He'd probably give it that. No, because I don't want to be over dramatic. Right. Um, <laughs> so E, one out of ten. So two, also. This is very dumb. I still just I think it's way too long to be enjoyable from a from a so bad it's good. I feel like it should just be an after school special, thirty minutes, if that. <laughs> you can actually cut like all the start of this movie and lose nothing. Yeah. Which is always the sign of just an impeccable movie. I can't figure out which character's which ever. Me either. There's like, That's every movie, though. <laughs> this one's worse, because they're all dressed <laughs> the same in this one. Yeah, and if you watch the I black also and feel white like you one, could cut impossible. any part of this movie and it wouldn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> all- <laughs> I'm serious. No, you are right. Like, there's... Two- this- what? This is like two movies, and I don't get why. There's like... The start movie and the court movie. There is a murder mystery plugged into an anti-marijuana movie. And neither of them are good. There's so much just 
bad about this movie. It tells you bad lessons. It doesn't actually try to accurately display what marijuana is. No, that's what propaganda is, though. I know. Like, <laughs> at least let your propaganda be entertaining. Come on. So a two out of ten. Okay. Hey, Robbie. Yeah? What would you give this out of one out of ten? <sighs> so because of the accurate portrayal of marijuana <laughs> and violence and rape and gaping. Uh, <laughs> I feel like don't mention that rape and gaping. That would be a really either. awful... <laughs> Yeah, because I just I just got a title for a movie that will never exist and should never exist. <laughs> the movie's bad, and it should feel bad for how bad it is. But like, the only redeeming quality about it is like through seeing the effects it had through history and seeing just how laughably bad it is now. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like this movie is one of those like totally avoid kind of things. I give it maybe a three out of ten. And as for me, like I said before. It is, on almost every single level, a bad movie. However, if our rating on the quality of the movie alone, I would undoubtedly give it a 1. On its best day, give it a 2. However, if our rating on enjoyment and not just quality, I might give it a 5. That's not that high. It's not that high, but it's still because it's still bad. You have to be in a certain mindset to be able to enjoy a so bad it's good yeah. movie. So that gives I, it an average of a three because if you do five plus six divided by two, that's three. Okay. Yeah, so that would be five yeah, plus six divided by two is whatever. Five. Okay, look, <laughs> I don't care. You just started <laughs> saying things. <laughs> <laughs> if you take the circumference of a circle and divide it by the square root of pi, <laughs> multiply that by the common de- denominator. I meant to say, if you do 5 plus 1 and then divide that by 2, that's 3, which would be your average, which I would say makes sense. Yeah, I would say 3 is the average here. Yeah. Um, so, another uh, fun fact here, just statistics. The movie was reportedly produced for somewhere in the ballpark of $100,000, which, if you account for inflation, that comes to roughly $1.8 million now. I would love That's that. still a pretty decent budget for that a movie like this. That is an insanely decent budget for a movie like this. So, that was Reefer Madness. Uh, On... Like one point two million dollars, right? Roughly. 1.8. Who 1.8. the hell pocketed most of the money for this? <laughs> yeah, because it seemed like it was done like even in nineteen thirty standards, it seems like it was done on a rather cheap budget. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna guess the church. I would guess that as well. <laughs> they actually, were the ones yeah. funding yeah. it, though. They probably just—I don't know. So, yeah, the movie was considered to just be this weird little thing for a really long time. Until about 1970, because it was just a roadshow act before to show the evils of marijuana. But in 1970, it started being shown to college students and taken around to colleges. And that's when it started getting this reputation as being this big, huge, funny, hilarious thing that people had to see, to understand. That's why it's considered to be one of those movies where it's just so bad it's good. Because even starting back in 1970, people were sitting around to make fun of it all day. Well, yeah, that's when you were switching yeah, perfect. Yeah, well, I was gonna say like that's actually yeah. that was roughly around the time that like actual stoner comedy started to become a thing in cinema. 
yes. was around the time this movie started coming out. So they just they didn't see it as the propaganda piece it was. They saw it as like people believe this. This is dumb, but it's funny because of how dumb it is. Yes. And speaking of the 1970s, that is where our next time in weed will pick up on next week's episode. But until then, if you want to follow us on any of the social media, we are the last ones in on Twitter, last ones in on Facebook. If you do not like what you're listening to us on, we are available on Spotify, which I recommend, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Store, and Podbean, of course, our lovely hosts. And if you want to email us, tell us your thoughts on any movie. Maybe not Reefer Madness, maybe just leave that one out. But if you want to tell us about any other movie, then feel free to email us at thelastonesinpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that email is thelastonesinpodcast at gmail.com. And I just want to say thank you guys so much for joining me on this one while we're uh, trying to fight the Rona. So, yes, thank you, E, for coming on all the way from your humble abode. It sure is an abode. It's very humble. And thank you, Rocky, of course. It's always a pleasure to have Absolutely. you on here. Thank Thanks you, for slogging through this movie that I forced you guys to watch. This was awful. This was <laughs> and then, of course, Robbie, who did the research on this one. Thank you so much, sir. Not a problem. I can erase this text document now. <laughs> and again, <laughs> thank you, everyone, for tuning in week after week and hopefully enjoying our content. Or even if you're not enjoying it for coming through anyway. Oh, that's appreciated too. But, like I said, we will be picking this up next week in our saga of 420. <laughs> Blaze it. And we're picking it up in the 70s next week. So we're going to see you then. Thank you so much. You guys have a great week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. And how irresponsible of the pizza man. He has other <laughs> deliveries. He is purposely <laughs> abandoning his job. He should be fired, quite frankly. He should also be fired for cutting holes in the bottom of all these pizza boxes. And Let's be fair. <laughs> and you know the pizza's cold by the time they actually get around to it. Gosh. We're going to give you the spoils. And not all dick. stories really 50-50? No. <laughs> I mean, I was going to ask, is like, part of that? I don't know, maybe. I'll put a hard no in there sometimes. You're missing out, because this is it. This is the biggest thing to ever happen. I mean, in modern society. In the history of ever. Like getting AIDS from a celebrity. If you don't have it, you're not in. Exactly. Do you have AIDS from a celebrity? Yeah. I have AIDS. Who gave it to you? Oh, that guy. A celebrity. Which one? Yeah, yeah. No, you got Gotta get an autograph. <laughs> so, you, so, so you just say you have AIDS and also have an autograph? Could basically? you sign that over to AIDS? Oh, they please? endorse the AIDS. I'd love to hear the story about the bicycle. Uh, okay, so I owned a bicycle. Now, it was a quite old bicycle, and they're like, hey, if your bicycle is in this location, we're going to throw it away. So I was like, okay, my bike's not there, so I'm fine. They're like, just kidding. We're throwing. We grabbed every single bicycle on our premises, and I'm like, and call us if <laughs> we took your bicycle. I was like, hey, yeah, um, you took my bike, and they're like, let, the let us check the warehouse if we still have it, and they're like, no, we definitely threw that away in the garbage.
Oh, what a dick. Did uh, you say... Dick move. Yeah, that's wow. And, uh... <laughs> they gave me $70 for that. How much was your bike? Uh, it was like... Again, it was old, but... To buy a new bike was about 250 ish <laughs> So... Not, not enough. And then, um... Wow. So I had that new bike. And I always locked it up. And then it was just stolen. And I was like... Hey, um, my bike was stolen. And they're like, fuck, take it with the police, maybe. <laughs> I was like, oh, you, like, don't have any, like, actual, like, cameras or anything? And they're like, no. Like, awesome. cool. Th- thanks, guys. I really appreciate all your hard work. So uh, I have another, yeah, I have another new bike, and that is permanently inside my <laughs> apartment. And I only take it out when i actually use it i do not let that thing out yeah i had to do the same thing whenever i was living up in salt lake city because uh i think i had four bikes stolen for me whenever i was living down there you're just bad at bikes yeah that too what do you even do with a stolen (laughs) bike though sell it who loses four bikes (laughs) i didn't lose four bikes yeah, four bikes <laughs> stolen. I guess the fourth one didn't get stolen. I think I actually gave that one away. <laughs> that uh, one you just gave up. Really. I'm not. I can't hold on to a bike. It I got to... stolen with permission. Well, at that point, I had a car, so I wasn't riding a bike everywhere anymore. This guy just walking down the street. Are you? Are you stealing my bike? Uh, no, we'll just take it. <laughs> so I've lived in the closet before. It's true. He has. I still haven't gotten out of it. Huh. Huh. <laughs> Ha <laughs> <laughs>